Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me as always in this first segment of the podcast, and only segment of the podcast, is Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com. AB, what's going on? You know, I'm like a lot of us, you know, I'm, I think I'm down to number 30 or so in Draft Express. Um, you know, you spend a lot of time on the top 10 and then uh, and you get to 10 and 20 and 20 and 30. You've heard that music so much that you just hear it every day, nonstop. Yeah, it's almost like when you when you play Grand Theft Auto too many times, you get on the freeway and you want to slam into cars. Yeah, it, it's kind of – everywhere you go, you hear that, you're sort of – your head's bobbing. You're like waiting. You know, some old lady's pushing a shopping cart and you're like – waiting for her to do like you're 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 measuring her strength and weaknesses you're like old lady (laughs) poor lateral quickness uh bad knees five foot still has value i was gonna go i was gonna go this still has value to society joke (laughs) mature dumb and dumber joke mature we'll make dinner for the team yes yes uh yeah you you end up like you have that beat in your head and everywhere you go your head's bobbing uh, okay, so Aaron, we have so much to cover, and I, first of all, I apologize to everyone. This is uh, we're actually recording on Saturday, which I don't know if this has ever happened. We're we always drop it on Friday, but uh, life is what happens when you're making other plans, and that is something that Aaron and I learned firsthand yesterday. Uh, it's something that uh, Darren Collison is learning, uh, and the Sacramento Kings are learning, and it's a very difficult time in in Sacramento because uh in case you missed the memo uh Darren Collison has officially been charged for his role in a domestic situation with his uh we're just going to leave it at that with because uh, I don't like throwing victims out there and all that stuff so uh a domestic situation and it's not good uh he is up for two misdemeanor charges I think one is for uh domestic violence the other is for battery uh, the battery charge stems from a second incident on the same evening, not two police calls uh, on the same evening, but a second incident on the, se- on the same evening uh, where allegedly there was a, uh, a spitting situation, which I guess spitting constitutes battery, which is shocking. Uh, but uh, not good things for the Sacramento Kings because uh, not only is this a, a, a an embarrassment, to the franchise, and uh, not only does it hurt Darren Collison moving forward, regardless of what we think of him as as a person, uh, knowing Darren relatively well, uh, I don't think anyone could be more shocked. He would be the last person I would ever expected this from. But these things, unfortunately, happen more in society than they should. And uh, I'm just going to put it out there right now. The Kings... First of all, can't make a statement right now because it's an ongoing police situation. It's an ongoing court situation. They're, they have to stay back. So for you people out there that are jumping all over, well, why aren't the Kings doing anything? Uh, secondly, I mean, there's due process in this country. Uh, secondly, um, the Kings aren't just going to cut Darren Collison. 
that's not going to happen. Um, this is not a situation where a uh, there's film of Darren Collison doing something horrendous, of him beating and beating and beating, throwing punches. None of that is out there. This is not a Ray Rice situation, at least not that we know of. This was a confrontation between uh, two people, and uh, it, it led to some bad stuff. So, um, Aaron, what is the effect that you see uh, I, I don't even really, not even on the basketball court, but as a franchise, how do you deal with this? You deal with it by going through the due process and, and seeing where this all heads. There's no excuse for any of this stuff. It's very disappointing. Um, and it puts the Kings in a position of real uncertainty at the point guard position, and it definitely doesn't add anything to the locker room. Uh, I think you're looking at a suspension, and that's going to be um, – you know, the duration will, will come down to the details in the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're starting the season off whether, depending on how you do this in the draft, you, you might have a rookie point guard. You might have uh, Seth Curry at point guard. Um, you could be looking at Rajon Rondo at point guard. But it really, really sets the, the wrong tone for the season when you can't come out in, in, on opening night with your presumptive starting point guard, assuming they don't go with Rajon Rondo, which – you know, it's probably a better move for the franchise. So it really puts the Kings in a pickle. It puts a little bit more pressure on them to draft a point guard that could be game ready for, say, two games, you know, five games. It's hard to say what kind of a suspension he would be looking at. Um, you know, beyond that, you know, from from Darren Collison's perspective, you know, he's going to have to re-earn everybody's trust that he's, um, you know, can stay in, you know, say stay out of the uh, – you know, the, the legal spotlight, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And it's just a big disappointment. Like, the one position that the Kings have had serious trouble at for the last couple of years is point guard. And now, you know, Darren Collison would, would have been a cost-effective solution, and now he's just a big question mark. Well, I think the, the biggest issue that the Sacramento Kings have had over the last decade is culture. And that's not good. That, this is a—it's another knock on the Kings' culture. It, it unfortunately spills into the franchise. And so, and really, when Darren Collison walks into an arena, you don't know if there will be signs. You don't know if there will be hecklers. You don't know what's next for him. It, it's, to me, this is really, uh, you know, it's where society's hopefully going, where you're, you're putting hands on, on a female is, is completely taboo. And, and it should be. And it, we're going that way. We're, we're more and more and more, you know, that's not acceptable. And so, I, I unfortunately for Collison, he's going to be a poster child. And it's going to follow him the rest of his career. I mean, Darren is a really bright guy. Uh, again, I, I know him very, as well as you can know a player in, in a locker room. And, you know, I, I've always thought of him as a very nice, respectful guy. Uh, he got himself in a situation. And it's, you know... You create situations for yourself. Uh, it, it's unfortunate, but almost every single time, if you look at these these situations, they're avoidable. They're avoidable on so many levels, and so he's put the Kings in a rough spot. He's put himself in a rough spot. He's put his family in a rough spot. And uh, you know what? Again, the reason why we we're delaying the podcast it had nothing to do with Collison. We had no idea that Collison the. Uh, the district attorney would drop the news that he was up for two misdemeanors. Um, and, and again, just so you know, he's up for a year 
in, in county jail, um, and he's also up for a year of batterers uh, counseling. Most likely in these cases, uh, he's a first-time offender of anything. He's going to get a lesser he, – he, if he does plead – which that there's no, you know, he could not plead. He could actually push this to, to a trial. And again, a lot of you guys know this, but my wife is an attorney. And so I kind of know a little bit about what will happen here and what might and what might not happen. Once they set the precedence of, of filing charges, it's it sort of, you go down this one path. And for those people out there, well, you know, well, if she doesn't testify, they have nothing. That's not actually the case. They actually have written statements and they have 911 dispatcher calls uh, that state exactly what was going on in her in the female's mind in this situation, and if someone refuses to testify in court against someone else, uh, those can be read in as, as evidence, and they will be read in as evidence uh, for for the Placer County District Attorney to you know to put on the record. They're on the record statements and on the record voice calls, so there isn't like this easy oh she's not going to testify so this whole thing's going to go away that's that's not how a real courtroom works this isn't florida where uh hardy you know beats the living tar out of someone body slams her on a, a bed of of assault rifles and then has like bruises all over her and then they let her you know basically take a large cash uh settlement from him and never have to testify that's not what's going to happen here uh, but that doesn't mean that he's going to be found guilty either. If he decides to push this, then we'll see what happens. More than likely, this is it is misdemeanors. We're going to see this play out relatively quickly with some sort of plea and counseling and, and stuff like that. And so it, it's an ugly situation, but we have to talk about it. And I, you know, hopefully we shed some light on it. Um, I, again, we're not going to stand behind Darren and what's happened here. Uh, we're also not going to roast him over the coals because – until we have all the evidence and we know what happened and we may never, um, we just kind of have to leave it at that. Um, you're not going to see us writing a give him a second shot type type piece uh, because, you know, you each have to make your own decisions on, on this and we'll just move forward from there. Does that make sense, Aaron? Yeah. And I think, you know, when this all is done, whenever it's done, he just has to take the steps in his life to make the right choices. And, you know, everybody around him, including his family, is going to have to support him in that and the victim in this case. With whatever happened, they're just going to have to pick up the pieces and move on. There are no winners in this situation. And I think that's part of the, the vibe around the building is it's just it's a gut punch. You know, it's a real gut punch to the Sacramento Kings organization and the families and the people involved. So hopefully they can pick up the pieces and, and move in a positive direction. They were all, just so everyone knows, everyone involved was shocked that charges were filed. Everyone. They, no one believed that file that charges were going to be filed. Now you could say that that's someone jumping up and and trying to make a name that would, which is like floated out there quickly. Um, but look, this is it's not that it. This is people doing their jobs and doing the you know the unsavory job of trying to balance being you know realistic with domestic violence and. Uh, sort of where society's at with it and balancing that with a pro athlete in the community and the other positives that they bring and, and everything else. So this is, it's not a good situation. And I, again, I, I would just like to share with all of you, we were going to bring you something special uh, yesterday. That was the plan. The plan was for Aaron and James to meet up and 
take a stadium tour of the Golden One Center and kind of walk you guys through some of the amazement that we were going to see. And we, Aaron, what do we get? Three minutes into the tour when I had to <laughs> stop, stop and say, ah, hey guys, I, I need a minute. And you guys are like, what's going on? And I'm like, Collison was just charged. And we're on, we're in the Golden One Center. We're actually looking in the lower bowl, uh, taking in this breathtaking view of this unbelievable building right when it drops. And it was, it was brutal. Uh, so I, I don't know about you, Aaron, but I think we owe it to ourselves and to our listeners uh, to to give you some insight into what we saw and sort of the the amazement uh, that we went through and, and walking through and taking a full tour of the Golden One Center. I, I'm just, what are your initial? Holy cow! It was huge. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've I've seen all the tweets. I've seen everybody go in there, do these tours. I've talked to the people who've done the tours. I haven't had a chance to do a tour yet, so this was just great. Um, I, everything was way bigger and better than I could have ever imagined, and that that's pretty tough because everybody comes out of there saying that same exact thing. Um, it's clean, man. It is so clean. Like it, it's just the tightest. Um, you could tell that the technology has advanced, uh, architecture, technology, everything that goes into building an arena, the technology has advanced so much that you really just got these buildings that make a ton of sense. And, you know, beyond that, just the sheer enormity of it and, and the sight lines. I mean, I, you, there's not a bad seat in the house. We went up to the top and it, you can, you just feel like you're on top of the action. So from a basketball viewing perspective, this arena is absolutely out of its mind. Yeah, over 10,000 seats in the lower bowl. And then you've got two tiers of, they have two different types of, uh, of they have a lounge, and then they have like a luxury box. And these things are so off the hook, it's crazy. I mean, even the lower level ones, which seat like, what, 16 or something? They, the lofts? No, no, the lofts seat like 24 or something. Uh, oh, gotcha. Yeah, the lower ones, it's all glass in the front. You feel like you're on top of the action. It it is such an incredible view from that position, and they don't have the lower the lower seats in yet. But I mean, we were we were able to walk everywhere. We were able to go up on the catwalk, uh, which <laughs> which is crazy. It literally, if I'm gonna like make a, a, a judgment on the difference in the ceiling height of Arco versus Golden One, I want to say it's four stories taller inside. It's- it felt like one and a half times taller than Arco. Yes. Just, and that's probably the spaciousness of the room kicking in. I mean, it's, it's huge. It is so huge. And the scoreboard um, runs the length. The scoreboard's not in yet, but the, the girders to hold the scoreboard are there. The scoreboard is 84 feet long. It runs the entire length of the court. And then on the caps, the end of, of the scoreboard, which will be all like, I, I don't know, LED screens or whatever. It'll be like four four thousand k or whatever it's going to be incredible but you get to the ends and they will have screens there as well for the two ends to see and one of those ends is the giant glass wall and, and there's all of this these two giant walkways where people will be able to just hang out and have craft beers and look out over the entire bowl it's just it was stunning it's totally stunning and you can see the game from virtually anywhere on on the concourse uh, it's it's really going to be wild to just have that type of openness and um 
you know, just to, just to see the, the disbursement of people throughout the arena. I mean, in a big night, say like a game seven of, of an NBA finals, I could see them selling, you know, way more tickets than they should. And that place just being a cacophony of craziness. It, yeah. It's going to be nuts because people can line up around the, the concourse and they can watch. There's that the um, the terrace or whatever it's called over the I don't know which side of the court it is. You can watch this game from anywhere. And um, then the food, man. Oh, if you love food, they're just going to have such great food vendors there. It's going to be a kind of a, a major surprise for folks, just like it was for me. I think all of us talking about how great it is, you're going to go down there and you're just going to be like, wow. And, and we haven't even seen uh, Doco or whatever it's called, uh, Downtown Commons, really um, pop up. I think that's going to be fun as well. Yeah. Uh, you get the Jeff Koons uh, sculpture to look at there that everybody loves. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's just going to be a great experience down there. It's really well planned. Um, and, and, you know, it's just growing, man. Downtown Sacramento is growing. Yeah, I mean, everything is top-notch, too. Like, the seats are, like, cushioned seats. Like, if you go to a game now, it's just hard plastic seats. Everything is, like, off the charts. So I, I think fans should be really excited. Like, we're not we're not doing the bait-and-switch here where, oh, call us and call us and call us and boo and then oh look we're gonna try to lift you up with the stadium because i know that that's kind of been hey don't worry about the basketball we got a stadium that's not uh, uh, <laughs> it just happened to coincide realistically it happened to coincide we had a three o'clock arrival it took us about 20 minutes to get into the building at 3 30 the the memo dropped something like that um and uh, just just a hat tip to the da's office for actually throwing the kings a slight bone um, by by sending that email out at almost four o'clock on a Friday afternoon um, at the end of the news cycle, which is actually a a very nice thing for them to do, as opposed to Monday morning at eight or nine in the morning, where it rides the news cycle all week. Uh, this thing is going to get eaten up into everything else, but um, that was actually a nice thing that happened uh, with with that. Okay, so to finish up the stadium. Um, the AC units in the in the basement were so incredible. Uh, it actually will slowly cool through the vents, all through the uh, in the floors, everywhere, all day long. Um, it it's the data center. The data the center. The data that looked like something out of Silicon Valley. Yeah, you like I wanted mean, to maybe climb not in there that like... scale, but it was <laughs> it was huge, man. It's like, yeah. what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, we got to go in one of the lounges. One of the lounges was so sophisticated and cool. Um, I, I can't wait to walk in there and, and we'll never get invited in there for the most part, but, uh, because media doesn't get that, but, um, there's conference rooms, there's media rooms. If you have a business and you own a box, you can actually have a meeting there at any time and say, look, we're going to have our board meeting, uh, and they can put stuff up on the main board for you during your meeting. I, I mean, it's just wild. It's wild what they've thought of. It's, it's a beautiful structure. Uh, people are going to be odd now the one thing i'm concerned aaron a little bit about whether it will capture noise like arco does i don't know if it can but it's gonna be it's gonna be hot uh, if it i'm sure they thought of that first second and third but it's so big and and wide-ranging and open air that it's possible that that everything could kind of dissipate because that's the strength of arco um the lofts, man. I'll just close it on this. The lofts, I think, are attainable for normal people, maybe. I don't know the price points on those, but those just look awesome. You're right on the action, and you get the benefits of a suite, but you know, there's other lofts around. I bet the loft parties 
and, and the communication between lofts is going to be off the hook. I'm excited to be in a loft party at a concert, not at a game, because I, do, I won't get to do that for a game. But yeah, to, for a concert, yeah, that will be pretty sweet. So so anyway, okay, so excitement, and it's 104 days away. And that's something that everyone should be like, man, I can't wait. Because honestly, I can't wait. I can't wait so much that I dropped like 400 bucks on McCartney tickets. Uh, because you want to be there to see what, how it sounds, to see what it looks like, to see the finishes, to to see how it all works on opening night. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be off the charts. So let's skip forward. We do have actual other cool basketball stuff to talk about. Um, number one, prospects have been coming through town, and we're gonna get to draft stuff in just a few minutes. But uh, one, Demarcus Cousins has also walked through town. And Demarcus came into town uh, in the midweek to do his annual VSP camp, um, which VSP does incredible work. They are a vision specialist. Uh, Demarcus pays between everyone. They they pay for almost 200 campers to come in. This is a free camp that Cousins puts on. Not only that, but if uh, they pull every single kid into a a giant uh, mobile trailer and they do uh eye inspections on all of these kids some of which are, are coming from uh low-income housing uh, low-income uh families that can't afford stuff like this and don't have great health care um so the whole thing is, is spectacular but aaron demarcus walked out 18 pounds lighter maybe a little bit lighter than that um what and it was kind of funny i asked 18 pounds lighter than what and uh, the answer was, I would love to tell you what he weighs, but Demarcus never tells us what he weighs. He just tells us how much he's lost. So, <laughs> so that's it's kind of like a, a woman never tells how much they weigh. Don't don't ask. That avoid uh, Demarcus. Don't tell him. <laughs> but my goodness, dude, he looked yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's gonna be. I, I I'm gonna end up taking the Kings over again this year. I'm oh, just telling you all right now. And I am the I'm road to 31. <laughs> I'm gonna hate every minute of it. Oh, I'm gonna hate every minute of it. But Cousins, like, I mean, if he if he looks like that at the beginning of the season, it could be a long year for the opposition. He he's so dynamic that you know when he's at tip top shape and and everything's working well, it's it's a different ball game i mean he's even better than he was last year in, in that case and that's kind of hard to fathom because there's many ways like in the charlotte game when he went for what 50 and i forget how much 56, like yeah yeah just th- you look at that and if you put this version of demarcus cousins into that game i mean who knows what he goes for in that situation so it's exciting for king's fans and you know him and dave yeager getting along which makes sense because dave yeager didn't try to trade him in the off season so it, it's just good news. It's good. It's good to see Demarcus out there, um, you know, looking looking the part. Yeah, he's been in. Uh, he's been in Las Vegas working out on his body nonstop. He's got a nutritionist, a, a chef there, everything um, working out like crazy. Uh, his he's already gone through four shockwave treatments on his feet. His feet are feeling a hundred times better. He does not need to do the. Uh, platelet-rich plasma procedure that everyone was worried about where they pull your blood out, they run it through a, a spinner a spinner, and then pop it back into you. Uh, he did not have to do that, so that's good. Um, he absolutely looks ready to play. And the best thing, I this is part because he was at his camp, and 
Uh, I think everyone knows. We we said this multiple times. Demarcus Cousins loves kids, so he's always got a smile on his face. But when he walked in the door, the kids weren't there yet, and he was he was happy to see media. Uh, it was like hugging it out with Demarcus. Like, huh, this is different. He just felt like there was a weight lifted off of him, not just uh, physically, but also mentally. And I I was completely blown away with just, he, he hung out and chatted with us. We had good conversations. Um, you know, he's really, really excited about Team USA. He doesn't care if, if he's the only guy, if it's literally DeMarcus Cousins versus the world, he's going to go and win a gold. And so he, he's not concerned about who's showing up and who's not. Um, he, he actually had a great line. He said, uh, someone asked him if he's worried about security or Zika. And he's like, don't we have enough issues here in America to worry about that? You know, just walking around the streets, <laughs> wherever I'm at in, in America, it, it isn't exactly safe at this point either. So I, I'm fine. I'm going to go down there and I'm going to have a, a good time and I'm going to represent our country. And I, you know, he's very excited about the process. So that was a really good thing to see. Um, how big, uh, I mean, just so everyone knows he's not going anywhere. The Kings aren't trading him, but how big, uh, is it that DeMarcus is in the right frame of mind opening the season and coming off potentially a gold medal bid where he's playing with some of the greatest players in the world? I keep telling people, I almost want to see last year's version of the team roster wise under Dave Yeager, just so I can have a crack at my 47 wins because it's it's just going to be a night and day difference. You know, in terms of the vibe around the room, um, you know, just how things break down. I, I'm I'm going to end up taking that damn over and it's killing me. Um, but for DeMarcus to be in a good place, that means everybody else gets to be in a good place. That means everything filters the right way from top of the roster to the bottom of the roster. So I'm, I'm excited to just see what they do in the draft um, primarily. And then you've got free agency. This is going to be a big 30 days for you guys. And, and I'm. I'm I'm just, you know, if you guys can avoid these big landmines that, that could potentially upend your season, I, I think even with a you know less talented roster, they could be way better than last year. So it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, and, and I mean, the Kings have a lot of holes to fill. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, at this moment, they have Collison. They've got Bellinelli and McLemore at the two. They've got Caspi. Oh, and uh, congratulations to Omri Caspi, who uh, got married late this week. Um, in Israel to his beautiful uh, now wife. Um, very, very happy for him. Couldn't have, you know, one of the nicest guys you're ever going to run into. Um, okay, so where were we? We're at uh, Collison, which is a huge question mark. Uh, Bellinelli and McLemore, Caspi and Gay. Uh, we've got Willie Cauley-Stein. We've got DeMarcus Cousins. We've got Costa Kufus. Am I missing anyone? Uh, Quincy AC uh, Opted um... out. True. Yeah. James Anderson opted out playing in Europe. Uh, Seth Curry opted out. Uh, Karan Butler is likely to opt out. I think everyone knows he's kind of going to opt out. So the Kings have a lot of holes to fill. And you know, last year they that's eight players they they have right now. They at this point they're looking for seven bodies. And I don't know if Duye will be part of the roster next year. He has been in Sacramento working out nonstop. I, I saw him uh, either yesterday or the day before. Um, and the same can be said about Seth Curry, who's been working out like crazy in Sacramento. I keep running into Seth at, uh, at the Warriors 
and uh, he's he's hanging out with his brother all the time, clearly being held up in, in buses and not allowed into the stadium and, and all that stuff. Maybe they're profiling Seth Curry as a potential ticket scammer, um, but I, I'm not sure. Uh, but these guys are all around the team, but the Kings need a lot of depth. They Just like last year, they came into the offseason needing like a bunch of actual NBA players. Now, again, so you've got the draft and the Kings have – uh, the the eighth pick and then the 59th pick, but the 59th pick you can't consider even a prospect. And then it looks like I don't even know how to say his name, Gorditis, uh, who they picked up in the in the Stauskas Jason Thompson Carl Landry deal. He was one of those mystery second round picks that are hiding out there uh, in, in in Europe somewhere. It does look like he's going to come over and hopefully play for the summer league team and, and at least test and see what he looks like. Um, and maybe he earns a roster spot, but the Kings have a lot of work to do between the draft and the uh, and free agency and trades. And so there's a ton of potential for moves all over the place. Now, Aaron, let's get to the draft. Uh, let's just start there. Who are the Kings drafting in number eight? Uh, well, if I'm allowed to trade down, I'm trading down. I, I've been really looking at the last, uh, you know, n- number 11 through 30 in Draft Express, and I really don't see a lot of separation between them and the and three through 10. It, it's the further you go down in this draft, the better off you're going to be. I've got a number of different prospects that I think could really help them out. Wade Baldwin's one of them. Um, you know, I don't know about taking him at eight. I think that's a little bit uh, rich, um, but. You go down the list, I think at uh, point guard, you could even go late with Demetrius Jackson. I think mm-hmm. you could go shooting guard is Malik Beasley. He's a guy that's ranked currently 25 by um, Draft Express. I see a lot of um, Kawhi Leonard in his offensive game, and uh, I like the way that he, he's got a good motor and a good head on his shoulders, and I think he's a guy that you could pick up with a 25 pick that could really make a lot of noise. In fact, I like him better as a player based on what I've seen um, compared to a lot of the shooting guards that are also lower in the draft. Um, I kind of uh, liken Gray. him to uh, to Jared Dudley a little bit. I think he's way more explosive than him. I think well, he's yeah, going to... Young Jared Dudley wasn't like completely cement boots, but go ahead. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think very young Jared Dudley, you probably got a point there. Um, Denzel Valentine is a guy that I think they could get at 25. Um, I think those two are probably head and, and shoulders above the rest of the shooting guard crop. Um, a guy named Luwawu, I, I, I don't have oh, yeah. his first name in front of me, but I've watched a lot of film on him, a small forward for a Rudy Gay replacement. I think he's going to be a guy that you could get in the early teens. Um, and you kind of go on down the list. The Kings don't really need bigs quite so much, but I do think that there's going to be a number of shooting guards and point guards available for them and a small forward in, in uh, Luwawu that if you can split your eight into 12 and 18 or 14 and 21, something like that. I just think with limited picks in the, in the upcoming years and the Kings not having a lot of assets and cap space being entirely overrated this, this off season, if you can start to just kind of split these assets up, especially if the draft is, as I say, stronger in the mid to late ranges, it just makes a lot of sense to me. And I think it's going to take a team kind of, you know, like a Jamal Murray, or not, pardon me, not Jamal Murray, but Jalen Brown. I get these two, their names mixed up all the time. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown, if he falls to eight, like like you see right now at Draft Express, that's a big name for a team to want to trade up and get. Um, Jamal Murray is a guy that's, you know, been sitting at eight in a lot of these these uh, projected drafts uh, for the Kings. And I wouldn't be that, I would put it this way, if him or Dunn ends up being the pick at eight, 
I don't think people are gonna you know need to throw things at their TV. Well, the one thing I Buddy healed. I think same thing with Buddy healed. Oh, if they get healed, I think that's a great fit for them. Um, yeah, but yeah. the thing with Dunn that's uh, that's really concerning me, aside from the fact that he just magically went up to this consensus three to five pick, and just a week ago he was a eight pick, even. Um, again, you you're committing. It's, it's like Denver with Emmanuel Moutier. Moutier had a decent rookie year. Couldn't shoot. Couldn't hit the broadside. Um, you know they're going to have to see that bet out two to three years in Denver. Moutier, and he actually projects a little bit like Chris Dunn. Not a lot, but a little bit. Um, if you pick Chris Dunn at eight, you're, you're, that's going to be your point guard for two to three years. And, um, you know... He's it, further it, along, though. He's further along. That's the one thing I will say. He's, he's um, you know, he's a junior coming out where Moutier had, had come from... He left high school and, and skipped college and went overseas to play. So he does actually have... And then he got hurt. Moutier got hurt, too. So Dunn has some actual maturity to him. Um, so I don't think he, like, I, I understand what you're saying. They are very similar as far as player types. But I think that Moutier will take, it'll take three years to really figure out what Moutier is. I think you'll know what Dunn is after a year and you'll see his ceiling, you know, right, you know, in year two, year three. I don't think he's way far away. Here's what I like about Baldwin and Jackson is they're going to be projected backups in the NBA. And if you get lucky, you strike gold. Maybe they can be better than that. But you're not tied to them. You know, you don't have to tie your franchise to them for two to three years. And you can go then address shooting guard or small forward at the same time. So if I got done on the board at eight, I'm looking really closely at what are the deals that I can make, you know, for other teams to, to trade up. And, you know, with point guard being kind of a position of depth in the NBA, there might not be a lot of teams that are willing to trade up for Chris Dunn. But there will be teams that are willing to trade up for Jalen Brown. And I think there'll be teams that will be willing to trade up for Buddy Heald. Uh, so, and not to mention a bunch of teams that will be willing to trade up to get uh, Podal, you know, at 9 or 10 or whatever have you. So the Kings could end up drafting somebody like that you know, and holding him for a team that wants to get him at nine or 10. So there are options to trade back. I really hope the Kings explore those for uh, your guys' sake. But yeah, Dunn, Murray, Heald, you know, any of them will do if they land at eight. Yeah, I think they will do. And I think the Kings are going to be reluctant to trade it because I don't think there's any value in trading those picks. I don't think anyone's coming at them with some hot deal they, that they just can't pass up on. While, and while I like Wade Baldwin, I think Wade Baldwin is plan B. He is the one guy that has actually come through. It, it's crazy. I just got the final workouts for the Kings. It's four guys that um, you haven't hit in your your search through the top, you know, 30, 40, 50 players. Kings have brought in a lot of players, and the new draft strategy by the agents is to not let anyone work out. So the fact that Wade Baldwin came in, it was strictly because Wade Baldwin considers himself between 10 and 14 in this draft. And if the Kings are willing to possibly jump at him at eight, he's got to at least fly in because it's a substantial difference. And so he came in and, and worked out um, a couple of things about meeting Wade Baldwin. I thought, number one, he's he's a bright kid. Uh, he's very confident. He's not nearly as big as I thought he would be. I don't think he's even remotely close to 6'4", like he's listed. I thought 6'2". Um, and then he does have a 6'11 and a quarter wingspan for a point guard. That's pretty crazy. But he's an inline driver uh, with very little wiggle. He doesn't have a lot of crazy moves. He's a, a good driver. He's a, a streak shooter, shot over 40% from three. Um, a good ball handler, but he turns the ball over a lot. 
Um, I, I like Wade Baldwin. He's the guy I brought up, was it two weeks ago, three weeks ago? I said Wade Baldwin. That's how we finished one of the podcasts. Um, I think he is plan B for the Kings. If if things go really, really south in that top and they do find a way to move back to 10 or 11 uh, or 12, then Baldwin is the guy. And so I, that's just my personal feelings after watching him him play and, and the way that he spoke that the Kings had him brought in as like a high priority. Um, so those are things that I, I would look at as potential uh, for, for movement. So, but outside of that, I'm okay with any of those top guys. Uh, the, you know, we were talking yesterday when we were hanging out. It, we found it hilarious that Bender has gone at, magically from number three where he's been or number four in Draft Express all the way down to number seven. Like, hey, wait a sec. How did Bender fall? And r- just as that happens, Scott Howard Cooper tweets out uh, a- an executive had just told him that, um, that Bender reminded him of the closest thing that we've seen to Dirk uh, come to the league. It, something like that, right? <laughs> and that's what this time of year is about. It's about misdirection and craziness and everyone lying to everyone. Yeah. There's a couple other names I thought really stood out in the film. Torian Prince oh, stood yeah. out. Hernan Gomez, I think. These are guys that you can have in like the 20 range. That that's just, To me, you know... You really got to be sold on Chris Dunn because I don't want to. If I'm the Kings, if I'm Vlade, I don't want to waste three years on a point guard that isn't going to be my point guard of the future. I'd rather get my backup. I'd rather have Darren Collison man it for a year and then get one of these other guys because the Kings, you're not going to be able to get great free agents to come to Sacramento after the year that they've had. You're not going to be able to have multiple draft picks like some of these other teams have. You really got to. I mean, how many draft picks they got in the next three years in the first round? Like one. Uh, they at least have one. That's it, uh, for sure. So as of right now, next year's pick, if they're outside of the top ten, then it goes to Chicago. If they're inside of the top ten. Philadelphia still has the opportunity to swap. Um, the next year, because of next year's pick uh, being potentially going to uh, Chicago, so their 2017 pick is a question mark. So Philadelphia has already landed their 2019 pick, and it's it has no protections. So so the Kings have their 2018, and actually for that matter, if they don't make the playoffs next year and they're the tenth or the ninth spot again, um, they actually at that point they get to keep their pick, and the Chicago pick dissolves, and Chicago doesn't get they get a a second round pick but it's it's even protected in the second round it's, it has a very So maybe window. 2 out of 3 years they get a first round pick probably a safe bet right Yeah yeah they at least have their 2018 first round pick so you're right about Dunn where you are expecting that he would be a you know he's got to be a player for you um but he could also be a backup I mean and, and I know and, you don't want to waste an 8 pick on a backup but realistically if he's you just don't know with these kids especially the point guard position I will say this about all of the other non-point guards that could fall to the Kings, including Jamal Murray, who a lot of people aren't very high on. And I think that he would be a pretty pretty good solution for the Kings at shooting guard as an eight pick if there is no if there's no deal to trade down. Sometimes there's just no deal. And and maybe we'll learn about that after the draft if they end up taking it eight. Um, Jamal Murray, Heald, Jalen Brown, they all can fulfill a need for this team, which is thin off on the wings and so i think there should be optimism for the kings even if it's chris dunn i've obviously made myself clear that i'm not the big chris dunn pick guy 
But even if it's Chris Dunn, I think that the Kings have done pretty well in this draft no matter what. Yeah. All right, so we've covered the Collison situation, which is uh, not a good thing. We've covered the stadium tour. Uh, we've covered DeMarcus Cousins. We've covered the 2016 NBA draft, which will be on Thursday night. Uh, everyone get ready for Thursday night and get ready for draft coverage. We'll have all kinds of stuff this week coming out day after day after day. Uh, and Aaron, do you have anything else? Go watch the OJ Simpson uh, miniseries if you have time this weekend. That's you know, and particularly in light so of good. In, in light of the Darren Collison stuff, it, you know, the seriousness of this this issue is is just you can't say it you can't put it into words go watch it and you know it, it's just one of the best things that i've seen on tv or in, in any sort of form period it really i mean it kept me up last night um it's just really good stuff yeah and having lived through that whole scenario i mean i remember sitting on the couch watching al cowling's driving like 45 down down the, the freeway the footage is just out of control man I, I there's mean, it was gripping. It gripped the nation. I, I mean, I, I'm I am excited to watch it. It's it's on my list of things to do, uh, which I have not had time to actually. Breathing is on that list. I have haven't had time to breathe. <laughs> um, yeah, it, but it's on that list, and um, you know, so I, I, I'm excited to see it. Watching that play out and and all of that in real time was was incredible. And I don't want to equate that at all to the Collison situation because it's that's not the Collison situation, um, but. At the same time, you know, I, I get your point, Aaron. Um, so I, I don't know. Besides that, uh, everyone be safe this weekend. Have a good, awesome Father's Day. Uh, the Golden State Warriors have destroyed my Father's Day. I will be at Game Seven of the Finals. Hey, you got a pick? You got? We got to make a pick, right? I, I'm wishing that someone would give me ninety nine thousand dollars for my seat for uh, for Game Seven, which has actually happened. Someone sold two tickets for ninety nine thousand dollars. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you want to do picks? I, I'm going to reserve the right to change my pick all the way up until game time, but I'm going to I'm, I'm going to take the Warriors. You're you're going to hedge. Well, I get all the way till game time. I get to put my ticket in five minutes before tip. No, not when you're podcasting. You got to say it. You got you got to say it like you mean it. And mean I don't. It like you no, say this it. is a tough one. I went five and zero against the spread for the first five games, and then I just lost my mind in game six because I don't know these Golden State Warriors. They're from a different planet, they make no sense. And Andre Iguodala's back is probably the most important thing that we should be paying attention to. Because if he's not good to go, then I'd probably switch and go to the Cavs. I've had so many back injuries over my life. I have chronic back issues, and watching that was painful. I, I thought it was absolutely I, – I have felt his pain. I know exactly what he was going through. That was brutal to watch, and uh, I don't wish that upon anyone. All right, so that's uh, – you know what? I'm not going to make a pick. I'm not. <laughs> After all that, you're not making a pick. Okay. No, to be honest with you, I'm ambivalent. I don't care. I don't care one way you're or the just, other. You're just pissed that you have to go down. There. Golden State Warriors fans, you know what? I actually have have cursed them. I said, you know what? I actually hope that the the Cavs win because you know the the Warriors had every opportunity to avoid me missing out on Father's this, Day. I'll, I'll make a prediction. It will break records for TV viewership. This is going to be a crazy Game Seven, so I'm yeah, looking forward to that. But not one of the games has been good. Not one, but game this one has the good. potential to be great. Yeah, I think, I think so this did, one will be close. The other six did too, and not one of them has been within what twelve points. It's just been bad basketball. All of it's been bad. One team is horrible. Terrible every basketball. Single game. Yeah, Terrible. If, I mean, I was watching. Somehow, the Cleveland Cavaliers figured out a way to turn the Golden State Warriors defense into the George Carl Sacramento Kings defense. <laughs> oh, did you see it? There. I was like, 
Oh, look at that. Switch. Switch. Yeah. No, they do. It's the same principles, and maybe that's why, you know, I don't know. I mean, I I was exhausted for Steph. He was guarding LeBron James the entire game because all they did was come up and and have his guy pick LeBron's guy and then switch, and then now you got, you know, literally a dude who's like 148 pounds uh, guarding a 275-pound linebacker. And Steph just hasn't been good. I mean, they have no discipline on that team. And that's just the weirdest thing for a team that's appeared to have discipline in their corner. They have no discipline throughout the playoffs And body language has been so bad from Steph. So bad. Just terrible. So I don't know if the real Golden State Warriors are going to stand up and and we'll see. It's going to be great. I'm going to enjoy watching it. As a former Warriors fan, I'm going to enjoy watching it. Will the the real Golden State Warriors please stand up? Yes. Stand up. (laughs) <laughs> All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. Sorry for the delay this week. I know some of you have been hitting us on Twitter. Uh, also, make sure that you go in and resubscribe on iTunes. It's That's been like the big snafu that people are starting to figure out and get over. But uh, yeah, resubscribe. Uh, you know, and while you're resubscribing, you might as well leave us uh, a positive feedback and make us cool, make us iTunes cool. So that would be nice. Um, so for Aaron Bruski, I am James Ham. Thank you for joining us on the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. We'll see you next week, Draft Night 2016.